Hail and well met. Welcome to another episode of Self-Evident. My name is Jenna and with me today is Alyssa and Kenna Rose. Today we are recording from a home studio. So if you hear any noise in the background, just know that we are not at our normal location. But today we are going to be talking about gender identity. And it's recently been very, very prominent in our culture. Honestly, it has been for the past several years. So Truth. we all need to be reminded every now and again about the sit- what the situation is in our culture and what the truth is. So Kenna, what do you have to say about this topic? Well, so recently I started going to school this year and my psychology class, it's supposed to be a Christian university, but my psychology class, the textbook is very, very secular, including talking about how biology doesn't determine gender, how gay marriage and homosexuality is just totally normal, and nothing you can change, and it's just how people are made. So it's how it should be, and it should be normal. And, well, it irked me. So... Is it a Christian psychology textbook? No, I'm almost, I'm 100% positive it's not. But the thing is, they do use... Bible verses along the side of the book. And my professor said the author was a Christian. Very fascinating. Obviously not. (laughs) Right. I, it just, it doesn't. Heretical Christian. Yeah. But I thought it would be a good idea to just remind ourselves what the Bible says about such topics such as gender and marriage. So Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then Genesis 2, 24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then, lest you say, this is merely the Old Testament. Why should we follow such things? Jesus quotes Genesis 1 and 2 in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So very clearly, both in Genesis and Matthew, Bible says there are only two genders and marriage is between one man. And one woman. Yeah, there's not much wiggle room there. No, the Bible doesn't. In fact, actually, I don't have my Bible with me. I left it in the kitchen. Oh, well. But one thing I think is really interesting and also really important to remember is that gender is the building block of the building block of society. Mm. And if marriage is the building block of society, because, I mean, you can't have a society if you don't have families. So you cannot have a society without building blocks. And that building block is marriage, which is also a building block built on gender. Right, right. And marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Mm -hmm. So it's literally a picture of the gospel in a way. Yeah. Which makes sense why our current society is so wretchedly against it. Right, against it. What I think is really important about the Matthew 19 passage is the context of that is the Pharisees are asking Jesus about divorce and about what is allowed in the law. And in answer to the question, Jesus says, have you not read that marriage is between a man and a woman from the beginning and that 
divorce was allowed because of their hard and impenitent hearts. Mm. And oftentimes we get confused about why this passage is used as a quote-unquote proof text for gender, even though it states that, you know, male and female. But in this passage, Jesus is talking about the vitalness of marriage being upheld as the way he defines it. And I think that's where our society has gone downhill because we started questioning marriage. And that's when homosexual marriage was allowed. That was when transgenderism started to it, seep it first in. started with the no-fault divorce, though, remember, that right. Reagan signed into law. Yes, you're right about that. So everything starts with a question about divorce and what marriage really is, which is why that Matthew 19 passage is so important. It all comes back so to that important. question of, did God really mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. Right, and what I always think is so interesting is at the end of the passage when he says, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And I know the context of the passage is referring to it in terms of divorce. Like, yeah, God, right? marriage is joined together by god it's a thing god created but i also i i don't know this might be completely contextually incorrect so if it is forgive me and then slap my hand so i never do it again what therefore god has joined together let not man separate in terms of god also is the one who termed marriage as in one man and one woman so god joined that together man should not be separating that and the way that the lgbtq community and the world is doing when it says oh marriage eh, that little thing it doesn't have to exist or you know what it could be anything you want it to be because love you know what i mean i think that's a i think that's a really good application of that of that passage that i wouldn't say it was the context of it but i think that's definitely something you can pull from it i wanted to go back to the point that it all did start with no-fault divorce. And the reason that Reagan signed that into law was, well, he personally experienced a divorce that was very, very messy and very, very painful. It very deeply impacted him. So he wanted to make it easy for couples. But at the same time, he was so focused on the pain that divorce causes to himself and to his kids that he didn't realize, well, you're not actually doing something that's going to be beneficial to any family and that was actually one of your points here i noticed that when the focus is pain you're not looking at like the long-term results of what's going to be happening that's so true you're focused sometimes pain makes you focus so much on yourself and it makes sense because you're hurting and that's all you can think of sometimes but sometimes so bad right you focus so much on yourself you can't see past it or Mm -hmm. see to like 10 20 or years from now or even get the bird's eye view of we know how this ends how it goes yeah and i think to that leads to one of the reasons why the transgender lgbtq ideology is being pushed to be normalized so much because some of it capitalizes on pain that people feel either by being uncomfortable in their bodies and who God made them to be or being ostracized. Right. And so the the theory that, okay, well, if we don't normalize this and make it absolutely acceptable, it's not going to go well. I mean, you see that in the way Chloe Cole's parents, Chloe Cole, the detransitioner who has now been speaking out about what harm it causes and how awful it is, 
her parents were almost tricked into pushing her to transition because the doctor they spoke to said, well, would you rather have a dead daughter or an alive transgender son? And I mean, what parent, like, that's going to blindside most yeah. parents to hear a doctor, someone they trust, saying something like that. But pushing lies doesn't help pain. No. Right. And one thing I... Th- too that I think is so important and one of the pastors at one of our church campuses actually brought this up and it made so much sense is as Christians we know that we're not necessarily always going to feel good in our bodies I mean I don't know about you guys but I've managed to sprain both ankles (laughs) break my toe get stitches twice and I did something to my knee it was beautiful and I was (laughs) I was a very clumsy middle schooler (laughs) actually I still have the scar on the side of my mouth that's why my smile's crooked really Mm -hmm. our bodies aren't perfect i mean god created us fearfully and wonderfully and he created us perfectly because he created a perfect world but sin Mm -hmm. came in and marred that yeah which marred our bodies which means we're not always going to feel good in our bodies but as christians we also know that we're going to get new bodies one day yeah isn't that in it's in one of the corinthians do you do you remember which passage it is i think it was like first corinthians right Mm -hmm. Alyssa, you know all the theology in 1 Corinthians 15, we know that we're going to get new bodies one day when Christ returns. And so everything that hurts and everything broken is going to be made new. Mm-hmm. And so that capitalizing on the pain we feel, I mean, it makes sense in a world that doesn't understand the gospel and doesn't want to follow God. Because it does involve submitting to God's requirements as we see with gay marriage. Some people do feel attracted to the same gender, but another thing society likes to push is that this is unchangeable, something that's... It's the way you were born. It's the way you were born, utterly normal. It identifies who you are. Right, but that's the other thing. And man, this brings into so many different ways, because then we could go off talking about identity, we could go off talking about what the Bible says about this, we could go off talking about how our brains work, and how technically we can work on it, and I mean... Some people are going to struggle with it their whole lives, and that's just a result of sin, and it's something that as Christians we know God is still in control, and for Christians we know we're forgiven no matter what. Mm -hmm. And our identity doesn't come from any of those things. It doesn't come from our gender. It doesn't come from who we, like sexual orientation. God created marriage to be between one man and one woman. Sin came, messed that all up. Mm Mm-hmm. And now the world's messed up. I really like Ali Bestecki's quote where she says, just because some humans are born with one leg doesn't make us not bipeds. She mm-hmm. said it somehow that made so much more sense. Yeah. Our identity not being in our gender, it can go both ways. Even if you're confident in your gender as a woman, if you place too much confidence in that, we can see where that leads. Right. Same thing for men. So it's all across the board. It doesn't just have to do with sexually deviant desires and for those who are struggling with that because that is a legitimate struggle because we live in a fallen world I would really recommend Dr. Christopher Wan that's Y-U-A-N speak I'll be linking the podcast interview that he had with Ali Best Stucky when we release this one he created a curriculum called the holy sexuality where he goes from the beginning through what gender is, what sex is. And the whole goal of this is to see how do we glorify God? He's a former drug dealer. He's a former homosexual. 
and he came to Christ in prison. And this has become his life mission Mm -hmm. on helping other people that struggle with sins like this, helping them see the glory of Christ. Because when we focus so much on us, what we don't have, what our desires are, we get drawn into a very dark hole. Mm -hmm. But we need to take our eyes off and put our eyes on the cross, put our eyes on God. And his curriculum does a wonderful job of that. It's only $20. So if anyone listening is struggling with that, it's worth it. And I heard him speak at a conference my sisters and I went to two years ago. He was really powerful. Like we talk about, denying the realities of marriage only makes society worse and go more downhill, especially as a um, ideology of sexual whatever you want gets pushed in culture. I mean, you think of Romans 1. You can see, as this was mentioned a little bit earlier when you talk about how this started with pushing divorce and whatnot. In Romans 1, we see that when people deny God, God gives them up to their passions. And the first thing that disappears when God gives people up to their passions and God gives them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So, like, it's such a cycle the first thing that disappears is regular bounds of marriages between one man and one woman Mm -hmm. and divorce becomes more of a thing a culture of just sex whenever you want becomes a thing and then if that keeps going on god gives them up again and that's how you get the lgbtq revolution because god continues or even just that ideology because when people don't repent of their sin god just continues he does work and try to get people back and to wake him up. And I think you can see that even in the way he deals with our country. Mm-hmm. It's not like an all at once utter fire and bang and pain. And, Gamora, right, basically. right. He gives warnings. But when people don't listen, God just continues to give them up until we end up with a society of unrighteousness, evil, malice, envy, murder, strife deceit, maliciousness, gossip, covetousness, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. And that's all from Romans 1. Mm. But, and it ends up being a time when people know God's righteous decree and that those who practice such evil deserve to die. They don't only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today's topic. But we will be revisiting this issue again and again because, well, it is a really, really big struggle in in America and honestly worldwide. Um, but until we meet again, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. And remember, as in 1 Corinthians 15, that sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is self-evident.